Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome. It's a new year, and it's great to see everyone. I, uh, I hope that today God blesses us as we look into his word and that we're all enriched as a result of being here. So um, I want to speak today on something that I've really never spoken on before, regeneration. Um, I've been going through a series of fundamentals of the faith, and what I'm really trying to do is bring out some very clear fundamental teaching from the Bible. You remember that last time I spoke about redemption? Well, today we're going to talk about regeneration. And really, regeneration is the new birth. It is when God imparts spiritual life. The divine nature of God is imparted into a soul that really had spiritual death before and now has come to life. A lot of people call it being born again. We're going to look at what the scripture says about regeneration. So I want to start by reading three passages of scripture. Um, They're on the screen. First is going to be in Titus chapter 1. We're going to read at verse 3. Now, Titus is a book where Paul had left Titus in Crete to do two things. To set in order the things that were lacking. In other words, he had a purpose to teach spiritual truth. And he also had a a purpose to ordain elders or to... Uh, establish leadership in a church. And so in, in keeping with that, in the context of Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, he's writing to a people who had a dark history, a dark past of sin. And this is what he says, Titus 3 and verse 3, for we ourselves also were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts or passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, we were hateful and hating one another. That was the background of their past before they were saved, before they trusted Christ. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness that we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. There's my word. The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So in that passage, we have regeneration and renewal. Now, let's flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to pick up the very same thought. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and he says, You hath he made alive. Who? Those who were dead. They have been made alive. They were dead 
in trespasses and in sins. And he goes on to describe how they walked according to the course of this world and by nature were sons of disobedience and just fulfilled all the desires of their flesh. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he, that is God, has made us alive. We were dead, we have been made alive. Together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Now, in these passages that we're looking at, there is a stress upon those who were dead, and now they have been made alive. Now, let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 5, and see what Jesus has to say about this very same subject. John, chapter 5, and verse 24. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life, eternal life, and shall not come into judgment or condemnation, but is passed from death unto life is passed from death unto life, regeneration. Okay, now, I want to ask you might, what might sound like a very strange question. <laughs> okay, so bear with me for a second. Are you dead or alive? I'm serious. I mean, it, it's, it's quite a striking question. Are you dead or are you alive? Now, I don't mean physically dead. Every one of us here are very much alive. But the Bible speaks about being dead and becoming alive. And see, what it's referring to is something spiritual. Do you have a life with God? Are you spiritually alive? Or is there no relationship that you have between yourself and God? So it's a great question. Are you dead or are you alive? In John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. And here's what he said in John chapter 3 and, and verse 5 to 7. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's an imperative. If you're ever going to be in heaven, you must be born again. Nicodemus is confused. He is a religious scholar. He, he knows all of the Old Testament scriptures and he says, how can this be? Well, Jesus explains. He said, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Divine nature is imparted spiritually unto every person 
who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would tell you that it happens immediately. You know, there's reference to this very same thing, this concept that God tried to communicate to Israel in the Old Testament, and Israel rejected it. You could look at it in Ezekiel 36 and verse 25. God said to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I will cleanse you. He said, I will give you a new heart. He said, I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will dwell in you. That's what God said to Israel. I will be your God and you shall be my people. But do you know what happened? Like so many people today, Israel rejected God's offer. Israel turned away from God. They completely rejected God's offer. And so now, this is really good news for you because this same offer of regeneration, new birth, new life, is now given to the Gentiles. It's an offer that God has for the entire world. You can have new life. You can be born again. You can have the very Spirit of God dwelling in you, and it will change you forever. There's two things I want to point out about regeneration. It is, first of all, a washing, and then second, it is a renewal. What is the washing? It is the cleansing from our sins. It is... When God takes away all the guilt of a person who believes on Jesus Christ, it is the washing of regeneration, and it is the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So God takes somebody who is dead spiritually, no life with God, and he makes them alive. Well, how does he do it? I submit to you through two things. Number one, the Word of God. And number two, the Holy Spirit. This is how a person is born again. By the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. Now let me bring you back again to John, or John chapter 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except a man is born of water, and I believe that that is the Word of God, and of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there are two key passages that make this clear to us. James chapter 1 and verse 18, the word of God says, You have been begotten again by the word of truth, by the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, You have been born of an incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever, the Word of God. I take great, great value in that. I'll tell you why. I, I speak to a lot of people about the gospel. And I go out on the streets and I have these little cards and I try to tell people the gospel. Do you know what I realize? 
through my own experience, my words mean nothing. It's not me. It is the word of God. And so when a person reads the scripture, it is life. It is light. It is God's divine, inspired, holy word that brings a person from death unto life. So you have the word of God on your lap right here in the Bible, and when you read it, it will give you life. It will save your soul. It will change you. It is the incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever that God has promised will never return void, and it will accomplish that for which it is sent, Isaiah 55. So being regenerated comes from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit. It's a washing and it's a renewal. Let me make one more reference before I give you three examples of this. Paul went into the city of Corinth. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. He went into the core of Ephesus and Thessalonica, cities that were given over unto idolatry, fornication, immorality. And he walked into the very downtown areas of those places and he preached the gospel. And guess what happened? People got saved. People believed it. And you know what happened? Their life changed. They became regenerated. I want to make reference to a verse in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Paul is writing to these saints in Corinth, and he says, you were, and he, he gives this awful list of sins. You were sexually immoral. You were extortioners. You were thieves. You stole. You were drunkards. You were partiers. You were revilers. You had this black, awful, dark past. But then he says these beautiful words. But you were washed. Oh, thank God. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Do you know what's so amazing about that? Is I can tell you today, it doesn't matter about your past. You might have been the darkest, vilest, most immoral sinner that ever lived on this earth. God can regenerate you. God can save you. God can give you new life. God can raise the dead spiritually and give you life in Christ and wash you from your sins and cleanse you and justify you. And I say that with absolute confidence. Do you know why? Because it happened to me. I, I, I'm a sinner. I have a dark past. I have committed all kinds of sin as you have. But when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are regenerated. They are made alive. They are renewed. Old things have passed away, 2 Corinthians 5. 
And behold, all things have become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. So in the middle of that, Paul is writing to these people in, Titus is writing to these people in, in Crete. And he says, you know, you just had a, a bad, miserable past. God has cleansed you. God has regenerated you. He's given you new life. You know what else it says? This is a key point. This, this is a point that uh, most churches and denominations miss. It is not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Folks, I want to tell you today, I, I, I say this respectfully, there's no good in you, and there's no good in me. We cannot offer any righteous acts before we are saved that will merit favor with a holy God. In fact, in Isaiah it says, all our righteousness are filthy rags. That's what God says. Not by works of righteousness that we have done. This was, a, this was revolutionary. Back in the uh, 17, 1800s, when people rediscovered the truth of justification by faith apart from works. Goes way back to Martin Luther. When he realized it's not about going to church. Guys, I, I, I don't have any favor with God because I come to church or because I try to do all these good things. No. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. Do you know, do you know what mercy is? Mercy is something that God gives you that you don't deserve. It, it's, it's judgment that's held back. God has mercy on you. And then you know what it says in Ephesians 2? It says, for by grace you are saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's going to be nobody in heaven that's going to walk on those streets and say, well, you know what? I'm here because uh, I went to confession every week. I took the sacrament. I gave money to the poor. I helped all these people. No, 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 no. The only people that are going to be in heaven are sinners, saved by grace, washed in the blood of the Lamb, cleansed, regenerated. So I go back to my question again. Are you dead or are you alive? Are you dead in sins or are you alive in Christ? This is a fundamental question. It is critical Pivotal, life-changing, eternal destiny changing. On the day that you die, the most important question will be this. Am I alive spiritually or am I dead in my sins? Because once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are changed. You are born again. You have take, you've been taken out of of darkness, out of condemnation, out of death, and you've been given new life in Jesus Christ. You are born again, born of God. You are forgiven. You're a child of God. No more condemnation. 
liberty, freedom in Christ. You are a whole new creation. Regeneration. It's a fundamental question. Are you dead or alive? I want to give you three examples in uh, Luke's gospel of people that were regenerated. And what I'm hoping is that these examples that you probably are very aware of will make this truth live, will illustrate this truth in your mind of what it means to be regenerated. Three examples in Luke's gospel. Number one is in Luke chapter 15, known as the prodigal son. There's a key phrase in Luke 15, verse 24, and it says this, my son was dead, and he is alive. Wow. What an amazing concept. Secondly, there is a fraudulent tax collector, little short man. What's his name? Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19. This man gets regenerated. Amazing story. Absolutely amazing story. Thirdly, you have the dying thief. He's got hours to live, and he trusts Christ as his Savior, and he is regenerated. Probably the most important thing that I want to say about these three examples is the four things that they all had in common. Number one, they each realized they were helpless. Number two, they all humbled themselves. Number three, they accepted God's mercy. And number four, they had great joy. They had rejoicing, believing in Jesus Christ. Regeneration is a rejoicing experience. Knowing that you've been born of God, your past is gone, your sin is forgiven, you're a child of God, no condemnation, you've been passed from death unto life. Let me give you these three examples. Let me see if I can make these stories live for you. Okay, Luke chapter 15. Here's this younger son of a wealthy man. And one day, he looks at his father's wealth and, and all of the things that he has, and he says, hey, Dad, give me, give me the portion that falls to me. I want your living. I want half of it. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. What's that sound like? Sounds like the generation that we're raising today. Millennials. I want it. I want it now. I'm not going to wait. Just give it to me now. So the father divides unto him his living. He goes to his savings account and he, I don't know, splits it down the middle and says, here, son, here's half of my life savings. The son gathers up his belongings goes into the far country and spends his father's living with just riotous, partying, prostitutes, 
licentious living, wastes it all, guess what happens? A famine arises in the land. He's out of money. He's destitute. And he goes and he feeds pigs. Oh, how putrid and how polluting this was for a Jew. And eventually, he comes to himself. Okay, when he left home, his pride was up here. Now he's feeding pigs. What happened to his pride? It went with his money and his friends. And he's there and he's feeding pigs. And it says, when he came to himself. Okay, reality starts to set in. And he looks around. He's reduced to rags. And you know what he realizes? My point number one, I'm helpless. This is a bad situation. Could I ask you that? Spiritually, has anyone here ever realized that spiritually you're helpless? Dead. Nothing to offer God. Just spiritually lost and helpless. That's a very, very good spot to arrive at spiritually because it's the beginning of all the blessings that God has for you. And he says, I'm going to change my thinking. Ah, what's that? Repentance. Ah, I'm going to change my thinking. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me as one of your hired servants. And he arises and he goes to his father. By this point, he has humbled himself. He's going back with a completely different attitude. No longer in front of his father, give me, give me. No, he's going back and his head is bowed down and he's got shame and he's humbled and he's helpless. And guess what his father does? You stupid kid, I told you, get out of here. I don't want to see you ever again. No, completely different. That's a natural response, completely different. His father sees him a great way off and he runs to him. This is a beautiful picture of what God is doing. He's extending himself to a world of helpless, broken, guilty sinners. God wants to run to you. God wants to give you mercy, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. And the father runs to the son, throws his arms around him, and his son begins to say, I'm not worthy, I'm helpless, and he's humbling himself. And his father says, son, you are now going to be a son, not a servant, a son. Go get the fatted calf, kill it, get a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. This, my son, was dead, and he is alive again. Here is regeneration, a picture of regeneration where one who was lost and who was dead becomes alive. What an absolute beautiful picture. What does the son do? 
Notice this. He doesn't say, no, 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 you know, you know I, I, I can't take that. I can't do it. No, no, I'm just going to go out and live in the barn. No, 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 I'm not, I, I can't. You know what son does? He accepts the father's mercy. Could I ask you a question? Have you ever accepted God's mercy? I mean, seriously. God has provided salvation for you. God has given his own son to to die upon a cross to shed his blood so you, you could be forgiven of all your sins. You don't have to pay for it. You can't. You can't work for it. It's an offer. It's an offer of mercy. It's an offer of grace. And there's one thing you have to do. You got to accept it. You got to say, thank you, God, for giving your son to die for me. You know what the son does? He accepts it. What, what an amazing party. There is joy, joy in the, heaven, in, in the angels of God in heaven over a sinner that repents. So here's a picture of somebody who's regenerated, realized he was helpless, humbled himself, accepted God's mercy, and had great joy. Let's go to Luke chapter 19. Here's this guy, Zacchaeus. Jesus is entering and passing through Jericho. Okay, notice this. He's not coming back. I don't know if you picked that up in the story or not. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's not coming back. He's going through Jericho for the last time. Zacchaeus, has got a dark past. And you know what? His sins are haunting him. He remembers all the times he went to all these people's houses and they were supposed to pay $500 tax and he said, you owe $750. And he would collect the $750 and put $250 in his pocket and pay the Romans $500. And then he'd go to another guy. This guy's good. This guy's, this guy's good. You owe 900000 Okay, pays him 900000 400000 goes in his pocket. 500000 goes to Rome. Here is this fraudulent, filthy, deceptive tax collector. He's got a wicked, wicked past. And you know what? He walks through town. Everybody hates him. There's Zacchaeus. That guy, you know, he, he takes all my money. This guy, he's dirt. Everybody hates him. And Zacchaeus, worse than that, he's a little guy. He's short. I don't know if he's got short man syndrome or what, but he's a little guy. You know what I picture? This is funny. Stop the tape. I I picture Danny DeVito. He's kind of walking down the street. Okay, here's Zacchaeus. He's short. He's probably a little pudgy. And he has got a dark past. And he has collected all kinds of fraudulent money and he stuffed it in his pocket and he's gotten rich. Do you think this guy has guilt? This guy has a ton of guilt. He has a ton of guilt. And you know what he's realizing? This man, Jesus, is the only one who can help me. And he's passing through town for the last time. I submit to you that Zacchaeus realized 
that in the forgiveness of sins, he was absolutely helpless. You know what the Bible says? No one can forgive sins but God only. Even if Zacchaeus went to all these people and said, hey, I'm really sorry what I did back then. I don't really have the money. I, I spent it all, but I took it from you and I'm really sorry. That's not gonna work for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus realizes this is the only one who can forgive my sins. And he feels helpless. And this short man who was proud begins to humble himself. And the crowd passes. And he's like running through the crowd. I gotta see Jesus. I gotta see Jesus. And he can't because he's too short. And he can't see in the crowd. So what does he do? Ah, there's a sycamore tree. I'm gonna go climb up into that tree and then I'll be above everyone else. So he goes, climbs up into the tree, and Jesus and the crowd start walking down. Jesus knows every heart because he's God. He knows every past because he's God. He knows all the guilt of Zacchaeus' sin and you know what, quite frankly, he knows yours and he knows mine. And he's a God of mercy. And for one person that day, Jesus stopped. And he looks up into the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Oh. All the crowd stop and they look up and there's Zacchaeus in the tree. He's probably embarrassed. He's probably humiliated. He's this little short guy up looking at the tree, and you know what happens? He humbles himself, and he comes down. Can I make this point? In order for every one of us to get right with God, we have to humble ourselves. We need to realize that we are helpless. When it comes to a spiritual life, we are dead. We're actually born dead in sins and in trespasses before God. We have nothing to offer God. Just like Zacchaeus, we have nothing. God said, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. At that moment, Zacchaeus had a choice. Am I going to come down or am I going to stay up here? And you know what he did? He humbled himself and he came down. And in front of all those people, Zacchaeus just bowed before the Savior, and the Lord Jesus said this. He said, this day, today, is salvation come to this house. Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house. And Zacchaeus received him joyfully. You know what that is? Acceptance. Acceptance of God's mercy. He knew that the Lord Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the only one who can forgive sins, and he received him by simply believing that what God said was going to happen was going to happen. He received Jesus joyfully, and he went to the house, and he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He experienced a great amount of joy in his life. He received him joyfully. Now let's go to um, the dying thief. Luke chapter 23. This is, a, this is an awful scene. If you are this thief, 
You have lived a tragic, empty life of absolute sin and brokenness. This man is broken. He's a thief. He's been publicly humiliated. He has got a horrific past, and he is filled with condemnation. And he is crucified that day beside the King of kings and Lord of lords. Beside the Lord of glory, God's one and only Son, this man happened to be put to death on the same day as the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. And he's on the cross, and there's another thief. And everybody around is cursing God, rejecting Jesus, and reviling him. Just hurling accusations at him. And you know what this thief, he begins to think. You ever do that? Reflect on your life. This thief realizes I got about uh, two and a half hours to live. Okay, let me ask you this question. What would you do if you had two and a half hours to live? What would you think about? This thief knows that before sundown, he's dead. He's dead. This is the feast day. They're not going to be on the cross. The legs are going to be broken, and he is going to die. And he is listening to the crowd and everything that's going around. And he hears the thief on the other side hurling accusation about the Lord Jesus. And he stops and he says, don't you fear God? Wow. What, a, what a, an amazing enlightenment. Don't you fear God? He said to the thief, we're guilty. We receive the due reward of our deeds. We're getting what we deserved. We're sinners. This man has never committed a sin. He has done nothing amiss, nothing out of place. And he looks to the Lord and he says, Lord, remember me. Do you know what he realizes? I'm helpless. I am completely helpless. Romans 5 and verse 6 says, when we were without strength, when we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And this thief is beginning to realize, I'm helpless. You know what he's done? He's humbled himself. He has acknowledged, I am the one that deserves to be here for my own sin. But this one, Jesus, has done nothing amiss. Okay, let me ask you this question. Do you think that that thief deserved to be forgiven? <laughs> no. No. If God gave us what we deserved, every one of us would perish in hell forever because there's none of us that deserve to be forgiven. We've committed crimes against God. We're guilty, every one of us. And he looks to that thief and he says, today, what would happen if he said, you know, do the best you can for the next month and uh, hopefully it'll be okay? <laughs> he doesn't have any more time. Today, immediately, you will be with me in paradise. Do you know what he realized that that thief did? He realized he was helpless, he humbled himself, and he accepted God's mercy. Could I bring you to the cross today? 
This event happened 2,000 years ago when God's one and only Son died and shed his blood for your sin and for mine. And God's Son came from heaven, sent by the Father to be the Savior of the world. He's the only one that ever lived that never sinned. Born of a virgin, lived a spotless, sinless, pure life, came with a purpose to die upon a cross to be God's sacrificial lamb. What for? To take away the sin of the world. And God's Son hung upon a cross that day, and He is dying for a world of guilty sinners, for you, for me. And we too can be born of God. We can be regenerated by humbling ourselves, acknowledging our helplessness, and simply accepting God's mercy. I want to tell you today, God has a gift for you. It's a gift of salvation. We, we thought this morning about God being our salvation and, and the wells of salvation that we can draw from. I'm going to tell you there is a fountain. It is infinite. Infinite. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. God himself. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Could I ask you today, have you been to the cross? Have you been real with God? Have you humbled yourself and acknowledged, I'm the guilty sinner and I'm helpless? But can you rejoice today in God's mercy? God has salvation for you. God has paid the infinite price. He gave his one and only son to die for you and for me. For the dying thief, for Zacchaeus, and for the lost prodigal son. And every one of them were dead. But when they believed on Jesus, they became alive. You can have spiritual life today. Even though you were dead in your sins, you can be raised and made alive in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me finish with this. Titus chapter 3, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Are you regenerated? Are you dead or are you alive? When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are made alive. You have a relationship with God. There is no more condemnation. All the judgment is passed. Why? Because someone took your place. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He took your judgment. He died for your sin, and he's been raised again so you could be justified. This is the, the greatest message that anyone can ever hear. It is the offer of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Now, I know that so many of you here have rejoiced in the knowledge of sins forgiven and have been regenerated and born of God, and we rejoice today. We, we can go away from this place experiencing great joy, knowing we have a relationship with God, a clear sky, the guilt and the past is gone. We are the children of God. Rejoice today with me, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you sent him to die for us. We thank you, Lord, that we have been born of God, and everyone in this room that has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is passed from death unto life, and there is therefore now no more condemnation. Help us, Lord, to realize that God's mercy and gift of salvation is just to be received by faith, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for the truth of your word and pray that you would part us with your blessing and enable us, Lord, to enjoy the day and take these thoughts to our our hearts today and even as we go through the week and the beginning of a new year to enjoy all the blessings of God. We offer our thanksgiving and commend us to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.